Welcome to Success Is Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Portman, serial entrepreneur, author, and podcast host. Whether success for you is more money, time with your family, a healthy, well-balanced life, or freedom, I'm interviewing guests and getting you the advice to make it happen. So join me as we uncomplicate the complicated, help you define success, and give you the strategies to make it happen. Welcome to the Success Is Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Portman. Joining me today is Damon Burton. Damon is a podcaster, entrepreneur, writer for Forbes, president of SEO National, and has been featured in publications including Entrepreneur Magazine, BuzzFeed, and USA Weekly. Thank you for joining us today, Damon. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me. And and I have a beard. We can't forget and, that I have a beard. It's, it's as like this, shown by your it's, logo. It's yeah. like this ongoing joke, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let's kick it off with uh, the, the opening question, which is, how do you define success? For, for me, it's freedom of time. And, um, you know, that's a short answer. I, I think we'll go into the deeper answers um, as we go. But I think a lot of people, when they first get into entrepreneurship, they they see the materialistic and financial things, which, which there's nothing wrong with that being your initial motivator. But then what you start to realize is the things that you end up wanting to acquire are the things that buy your time back. And so in the end, it's ultimately just, just freedom of time. Absolutely. And I talk about, you know, what's the most valuable thing you have? What is, what's a finite resource, right? And yeah, time. Yeah. Right. Time with your family, time yourself. And we all have a limited time on this earth. And I don't think there's anything more valuable than time. And um, I think a lot of times when people, even when they have high paying jobs and they have stuff, um, often they suffer with this anxiety. And I think in the back of your head somewhere, when you realize that you're trading time for anything else, it's it's an mm -hmm. unfair exchange. And in the back of their head, they know it and it's screaming like, what are you doing? This is not fair, right? So when you switch it around and you start buying back your time, um, you know, that's kind of when you find find peace. For um, sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I have countless examples of that from my own personal journey. And um, I've, I've never been materialistic um, about the only fancy thing I have is a nice house, but, but I, I bought a nice house because I moved a lot when I was little. And so I didn't want my kids going through that. And so we bought, I mean, we've been here forever. I mean, this is our forever house. We've been here 11 years this year. And so when we bought it, we bought a 4,300 square foot, six bedroom house. And it was just me, my wife and our 11 month old when we bought it, but I knew we'd have more kids and I never wanted them to move. I wanted them to have roots. And so now we got the house filled out. Now we have three kids and we have we, one room that you can see here is my office, which after we fill all the other rooms, we have one guest bedroom. And so we have zero space now and I've filled it out. So other than the house, the only thing that I really put a lot of money towards is either, like you said, buying my time back or things that will create memories for my kids. So we have like a cabin property and we travel a lot and things like that, but I don't have a nice car. I don't have fancy watches. I don't wear fancy clothes, like none of that. And, you know, buying time, I mean, I pay a dog groomer to come groom my, my wife's dog. So I don't have to drive anywhere. I pay a company that drives to my house to do oil changes. So I don't have to drive anywhere. Um, I used to have a lady that would come to my house to do my haircuts so I could save that time, but now she doesn't do that anymore. And so it's like time machines, anywhere I can buy a time machine, I will pay extra to buy that time back. Absolutely. 
So when you got the big house, was that something that you and your wife sat down and kind of planned out? Um, like what yeah. you were going to hold and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, we were on the same page. It, what's interesting is my wife never moved her whole life until she started dating me. So she never moved. And I used to move when I was younger, I would move two to three times a year. I mean, it was just constant. And I think the longest place we ever lived was maybe three years when, when I was from junior high going in high school, kind of around there. But then even my senior year, we moved a month before I graduated. And so it was just constant. So, you know, my wife obviously knew that, that story today. You know, it's funny as of recording this today, we've been together 18 years. Congratulations. So, Today's so, your anniversary then? It's our dating anniversary, dating so anniversary. our wedding anniversaries, yeah, yeah in yeah. a couple months. Well, congratulations. Um, thanks. So she obviously knew the story, but, um, and knew, knew it was important to me to have roots for our kids. And so when we got to the point where we decided to, that we were, you know, wanting to get a new house, then um, we, we kind of figured it out and we're like, okay, you know, how big is too big? How, how reasonable is too small to support future growth and kind of met in the medium. And obviously you don't know when you're house shopping, like what you're going to find, but we had a general idea of what we were looking for. And, and fortunately it wasn't the crazy times that it is now. And so we had a little flexibility in deciding if we wanted to put in an offer or not, didn't have to rush it. And, and it, it's, it's been the best place ever. I don't think I'd change anything about our place. Um, it's, it was the right move at the right time. It's great. So tell us a little about yourself. Tell us about your background, uh, how you got into the business trend in today. Yeah, so I started SEO National in 2007. So had the agency for 15 years. Um, when I first started, well, well, right before I started it, my background was originally in web design. And so when I, I kind of, where I made the jump was, uh, so I'll give you two backstories. One is how I made the jump into being an entrepreneur and then two, how it transitioned from a design into a, a marketing agency. So when I first made the jump is I had built up enough clients on the side. So my, actually let's go even a step further. So I was a big, in my early twenties, I was a car, I was big into cars. So I started this car enthusiast website and when it started to pick up, I said, how do I make this better? And so that's how I started to look into design. And then as, as I continued to build up a following, then I said, how do I monetize this? And so that's how I started to explore marketing. And then I'd work on it on the side. And then through that, I started to learn design. And so then I started being the friend's neighbor's cousin's kid that did really crappy design for everybody and, and started to learn a little bit more to where I was okay. And then I started to get a couple side projects. And then over the years, I had built up enough side clients that I got to a point here's here's how I here's how I made the decision on taking the calculated risk to become an entrepreneur is I said can I pay my bills so I had a day job and and I can give you fairly accurate numbers so I was making 25,000 a year at my day job maybe 28 something like that and then I was making 20,000 on the side so I was making about 45,000 a year combined but my day job was taking up 80% of my time for almost a 50-50 return compared to the side, the side projects. So then I said, we only have our, our mortgage and a car payment. My wife has a job. So worst case scenario, sure, it would suck to lose that disposable income, but could we pay, still pay our bills and then free up that time? And so that's when I decided to make the jump. And, and I want to say it only took about three months to make that income back, that gap 
because I freed up so much time that then I could dedicate and focus on those clients that I had. So that's how I got into being self-employed. And then how it grew from there is it, it was largely a, a one-man show for a year, year and a half. I mean, I was early twenties. It was cool. My wife worked at a hospital, so she would get up at 3 AM to go to work by four. And so I was in the early hustle mindset. And I'm like, why should I not get up at four, two or three 30 and start working? And then why not have a beer at nine o'clock in the morning <laughs> when you're self-employed? And so I just allowed myself the freedom to en enjoy that phase. And so I compare it to, to dating. I tell people date your career phases and take from those phases what you like and don't like. And so then as you level up to the next dating phase, then you can say, okay, I liked this and I didn't like that in your next opportunity and continue to clearly identify the ultimate career that you want to, you know, marry. And so I went through that evolution where it was solopreneur. And then I said, okay, I have an opportunity in front of me. So then I brought in two or three team members. And so then you go through that phase of going, okay, you got to learn how to manage a team and you got to learn how to understand that, that there's more that to then more than just paying them that comes with the territory. What was really fascinating to me was when I realized, holy crap, they're the their families are dependent on them and they're dependent on me. And so that was a, a big reflection of responsibility. And so you go through and learn that, and then you go from a couple people to, so for me, it went from self-employed, solopreneur to two people, to eight people, to 15 people, uh, to 50 people. And so as you go, you learn these different things. And, and just like before we hit record, there's things that you learn at different phases of growth. And so I allowed myself the, the freedom to not rush that and, and really kind of learn from each of those phases. So, um, all right, come full circle. How did I transfer from design to agency? Um, I had one of those clients that said, what do you know about Google? And I said, I know enough that I can probably help you, but I don't know enough that I feel comfortable charging for it. So, but I also don't want to work for free. So how about we set these goals? If I hit the goals, then you owe me retroactively. But if I don't, you don't owe me anything. So then they didn't have anything to lose for them. I was still incentivized. We hit the goals. We started a retainer. I took that to a second client, same arrangement, hit the goals, started a retainer. And then at that moment, I said very clearly that I don't want to be an agency that offers it all and is mediocre at all of it. So let's stick to just these two things, primarily the SEO side, but then also because my background was in design and, and that comes with the territory of marketing. Um, so 15 years later, here we are and, and we just stay in our lane of just that. Absolutely. No, that's great. I think um, you know, a lot of people I, I talk to are like, you know, when do you make the decision to go from, you know, the corporate or, or a day job to doing your business? full time. And, and for me, it was when the day job got in the way of growing yeah. that, right? Um, because it's, there's probably people that are really good at multitasking. But for me, if, if I'm focused on something like my own business, that's getting more of my attention than the other thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, and then, uh, you know, I, I love what you talk about with your uh, entire journey with doing everything hands-on first. Um, I'm the same way. Um, I've got to do it and then teach it out. And that's, mm -hmm. that's how I'm, I'm as successful. So as I delegate it off. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's certainly people that have probably, uh, 
accelerated their entrepreneurial journey faster than you and I, but, but I, I'd, I'd be more willing to bet than not that they, th that it's a lot less sustainable. Absolutely. Because the quality is there. Um, you know, I think from the standpoint, of even teaching to your employees, you get the buy-in because they know you've done it and mm -hmm. leading from the front for me is, is, is incredibly effective. I think in areas in my business that I've tried to hire someone externally without at least having a, a basic understanding of that task or doing that job are the ones that I've, I've most struggled with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's why I often have to outsource to a company um, like yours. If it's an area that I'm not specialized in, because I would rather have somebody else manage that than for me to manage somebody on my team doing that when I'm not, you know, I'm not skilled in that area. Yeah. I mean, that opens up a whole other conversation about opportunity cost. I mean, do you want, do you want to pursue perfection so badly that it never gets done or, or is 90% good enough, you know, 90% and live and done and producing good enough. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about work-life balance. I see you have guitars back there. Do you play them? <laughs> Don't. Did I not tell you this story? No. <laughs> <I wanna. laughs> okay. So no, I've always, I've wanted to learn guitar. So I've always been into music. Um, I remember when I was little, my, my parents would say, cause I have like long fingers and, and they, and I have good hand-eye coordination and they said, you should learn piano or guitar. And then I came, you know, my, my parents couldn't afford lessons or the instruments in general. And so I never, I never got to that, but then, um, I, I did seven years on air. I, you know, followed music where I could. And so I did radio for a while. And then, so these guitars is, um, so I've always had it in the back of my mind that I, that I want to learn. And so then when COVID hit, I thought, Hey, maybe things will slow down. Maybe right. now's the time. <laughs> and so I had like, I only had for me and I realized how fortunate I, ha I am. And I realized how absolutely ridiculous this sounds to a lot of people, but for me, I, I only had like a 10 day window of downtime. And so like day three or four, I was like, Hmm, I wonder how this is going to end up. So let's buy the guitars. Let's have them on hand. So then if this downtime sustains, then, then I can fill it with something productive. And about that 10 day mark, it was just total opposite. I mean, we just grew like crazy. And so um that's damn near where they've sat for two and a half yeah, years funny. so i'm the exact same way i've got multiple guitars i started lessons i actually i bought this thing let me show you here this kept coming up on ads on amazon so it's supposed to like oh, wow. you know, teach you the chords and stuff you know that's cool yeah i thought it was neat it's still in the packaging it still has the plastic <laughs> look this is how committed i am i even got my guitar tuner right in front of me yeah, on the computer as my reminder that's lower in the damn guitar damon and then i just stare at it every day <laughs> yeah maybe we'll have to make each other accountability partners like <laughs> yeah. start, start actually that's wearing but uh, work-life balance, we were talking uh, previously about this and, and you, um, you know, one of the tough things I think about being an entrepreneur, especially now that you work from home is previously in, in business. And if you had a job, you have, you know, your work and then you have usually some, some sort of commute and you mm -hmm. kind of have this transition period into your personal mm -hmm. life. And now you put on the personal life, kick it back, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, being an entrepreneur, especially one that works from home, 
you don't have that transition period, you, you know, you know, going from work, work hat to personal hat. Um, how do you manage that um, in your life? Yeah, it's um, so I got a couple things I can add add to this. Um, so for for the 15 years that I've had the agency, I've only worked not from home for one year. And that was about midway. So that was probably that was probably about seven, six, seven years ago. And so what in and, and this backstory will make sense here in a minute. So what happened was I was kind of window shopping commercial properties to go, okay, well, the majority of my clients are not local. So if I had a local footprint, would that attract more local clients? So it was just kind of an experiment. And I ended up finding a building where the mortgage on it would have been the same, or I actually think cheaper to buy it than to rent it. So I bought this building. I remodeled it, put up signs and, and worked there for about a year. And it brought enough business to pay the mortgage, but not enough for me to care to go sit there. <laughs> and so then I, after about a year, I rented it out. And so then I, I rented it out for two years. I only had the property for, I think three or four years. And, and then I ended up selling it. Um, man, uh, I got really lucky with when I sold it, I sold it right before COVID happened. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but in my mind, it's good because then I didn't have that responsibility. So I don't really know any different other than working at home. Now, in the beginning, when we didn't have kids, then I told myself I need to, you know, kind of grind it out now um, before we have kids so then I can have that freedom of time that we talked about. And so I worked a ton, um, you know, when my wife was still working, um, she would go to work at, she, she'd wake up three, be to the hospital by four, she'd get home, she'd get off at noon, get home by 1230 or one, and then I'd take a nap with her and then I'd wake back up and then I'd, I'd do like sometimes I do 20 hour days just because I, I could. And it was, you know, I, I'm not advocating the, the hustle grind thing, you know, but in that phase in my life, I enjoyed it. And so now though, now that we have kids, we have three kids and it's, I've, I, I, you have to kind of put your personal responsibilities first in whatever way works for you. And so what I mean by that is like, for me, um, I, I don't give out my cell phone number that one. I would say you should, everybody should probably do Don't give out your cell phone to clients. Um, and, and so usually what people follow up with that is, well, isn't that weird? Or, you know, do clients get mad? And I've never had a problem. And I, and the reason why is it's not weird unless you make it weird. I'm proactive about it. So I tell the clients in the lead calls and the follow-ups, we put it in the agreement, we put it in the welcome kits that it's like, Hey, we love you guys, but we love our family more. And I think our contract literally says that line. Nice. And then, and then we have a big, uh, the big header on our contract. It literally says, we made this text really big for a reason, please read it. And then that's where it goes into talking about expectations. And then after the expectations page, we have another page that says reasons not to hire us. And then it emphasizes the same things like, Hey, we're really good at what we do. That doesn't mean you get our availability 24 seven. We have other things to do. And in fact, protecting that time makes us deliver a better product for you because then we can be more focused because when it's our time to serve you, then we can really focus on serving you. So it's never been, I've never had a problem with it. And, and if I were to have a problem with it, then, then good, because that highlights the clients that I don't want to work with. So you have to figure out what your boundaries are and then figure out how to enforce them. So the way that I enforce those is I tell clients they're not getting my cell phone number. 
we put it in the contract that we're not available after hours and weekends and, and we're not going to check our emails. So if they email me Friday night, I'm not going to reply until Monday. We, we also set our auto attendant shut off at four 30. So by the time it's five, you know, nobody's on the phone anymore. We're not taking late night calls. It's not open on weekends period. Um, I personally don't have email on my phone. I don't have Facebook messenger on my phone. Um, I set, in my calendar, you know, all of us use calendars nowadays to send appointments, uh, calendars to clients. And on mine, when it syncs back to my personal calendar, I block off 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. So then that way, like this morning, I was playing soccer with my kids. And so then I can, if it's, if it's a sunny day like today, then I can also walk them to school. And then I also block off 3, 3 p.m. to 3.45 p.m. So then I can walk back to school and walk home with them. Now my boys are getting a little older. I mean, they're not old. They're, my oldest is only 11, but they're, they're getting old enough that they want to start walking by themselves sometime. But, but that way I have the flexibility though, if I want to, and if they're cool with it. So it's just things like that. You got to figure out, you got to priority, you, you got to outline and list what your priorities are first and figure out what matters to you. And then from there, reverse engineer, how you can protect those things. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think um, I was talking to this new uh, solar company the other day and they, they were, they're just starting out. And one of the things I said they should really look at is defining their mission statement and their values um, because they had previously left another company because of that company's values didn't align mm -hmm. with their own. And every company has, you know, their, their values, including yours, which you list in, in your contract. And I think that's an, incredibly important for um, setting clear expectations up front so there's no disappointment, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's important for a foundation for a company, especially because as it grows, it might end up being uh, much larger than you can directly manage. And it's important that your subordinates all know what the values are as well. Oh, for important. sure. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I've never got to the point with like writing out like a, a mission statement or a value statement. Um, I understand the value in them. Um, I just, it's just never happened for us, but, but I, I make it very tangible to my team. Like the team knows exactly what I stand for and they know that I will protect them. And so like a lot of those, those values that we put in the contract are not just for me as the owner, but it's also protect to protect the integrity and the mental bandwidth of my team. And so last month I fired a client, I think it's the fastest I've ever fired, fired a client. It was about 10 days wow. because they were trying to step on the toes of my team. And I, I gave them a warning. I, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt for miscommunication on the first time, you know, could have been on my end. But when you realize after the second time, it's very clearly an attitude problem, then I don't hesitate to, to protect those values. And, and the reason why I bring this up is something you just said, you know, then your, your team knows what the, the team stands for and that you're there for them too. And now everything else becomes self-sustaining. I don't have to go babysit my team. I don't have to micro, I, I don't want to, it's just not my personality, but, but then now I also feel comfortable with quality control for, for two reasons. One, because we documented processes and maybe that's something we talk about in this conversation, but immediately related to the topic at hand is there's now trust. Like the, the team knows that I have their back, so they have my back. And so now everybody is proactive to support the integrity 
of our of our product and and protect our reputation and do things on their own just because they know it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. And they're it sounds like they're making decisions and communicating in the same way that you would as well. So although mm -hmm. those values might not be you know written, they are clearly defined in your in your company yeah. and that helps with that level of trust across the board. Um, you know, we, we've all seen that where the, you know, the customer comes in and talks to the employee and they get one message and then they go to the, the owner or the manager and they get a yeah. different, you know, yeah. nothing yeah. will kill employee morale faster than that. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. So let's, let's just, let's talk a little bit about, um, SEO and, and kind of like what you, you do specifically. And, um, one thing that comes to mind is majority of my customers are in, um, insurance, real estate, mortgage, solar sales, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And they're entering a space, if they have a website, like let's say it's a real estate agent, they're entering a space that is very competitive. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're buying ads against, you know, people with some really big pocketbooks and they're trying to develop an SEO uh, strategy against uh, a lot of these companies that have been there for a long time. And, and have a presence already defined. Um, what sort of advice would you give to somebody like that? Yeah, I, I could talk for a while on this, on this topic. So I, I can give you a technical reply and then I can give you a personal story that supports this topic. So you tell me when you want me to shut up. So <laughs> there's, there's, so on the technical reply, I'm gonna lean more into the real estate side, but, but the topic that I'm about to explain is applicable to all those other industries, insurance, solar install, things like that. Like the, 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 the short answer is you have to stand out. So now let's get into the long answer. The, the, with real estate, I mean, everybody knows a hundred realtors these days. And so why is your friend or, or somebody new going to choose you over somebody else? Because they got a million options. They're going to choose the person that they, that, that stands out in their mind, either a from uniqueness or B from consistency. And so what you want to do is you got to figure out a way to consistently show up and showcase your passion for your product. So real estate is a super easy way to do that. So when you go out, like when you build out a website, here's what realtors do. They, they, they put up a website, it has a huge picture of a fancy house on the top header of the website. And then it has a big vomity list of the MLS below. And that's it. Like who cares? Yeah. There's a bazillion of those. So here's what you need to do is you need to show your personality. And, and what I'm about to explain for you, to you is a great content strategy, not only for your website, but also social media and, and they can support each other. So your social media, as you showcase all the content pieces, I'm going to give you examples of here in a minute, then you can push them back to your website to see more or your website can bring people in from search engines and then they'll see your personality and then they can also go back to your social media. So you can kind of loop leads in from different places. So here's, here's what you want to do for your content side. Instead of going in and just like reposting the same MLS pictures that 10,000 other realtors are doing the same thing, go walk through the neighborhood and do a selfie video and showcase why the neighborhood is so peaceful or why there's like these hundred year old trees or how the school that's across the street is great for, you know, families, if that's your audience, like find the thing that resonates with the audience for that type of neighborhood or home, and then go show it in your own way. And so do the little selfie video, 
talk about all those things. And then you can use that to push it to, to your social media. That's where you get your personality and do that over and over and over. That's where you get the consistency. Now, the way that you can double down on that to benefit you on your website is take that same selfie video and then drop it in a program. There's two programs I'm going to recommend. Um, so one is called Descript and the other is called Rev, two Vs. Um, they both do the same thing. They're both transcription services. Rev is just a little more expensive there because they're a little better quality control. I use Descript though, because it, it's a way significantly cheaper. And back to what we were talking about earlier, is it good enough? You know, so Descript will be 90, 95% accurate and instant. Rev is like 99% accurate, but it takes a day. I don't have time to wait a day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you take that selfie video, you transcribe it. Now here's why I'm telling you to transcribe it is because you can only show up on search engines for what Google can read. And so get that into written format. So then now you have your blog where you post your selfie video and then below the selfie video, paste the text. And so there's all these different ways that you can take and create content that is not that hard. I mean, a selfie video takes five minutes. You throw it in Descript, it's going to kick out the transcripts in five minutes. I mean, within 20 or 30 minutes, you can have, you can have a video that's on social media and now it's on your website. So there's a lot of different things that you can do. Um, so you want to take that same concept and just show up. Um, I'll give you one more content example, because this is one that's fresh on my mind that I told one of my realtor friends. It's just like you and I are doing, Philip. He, do a podcast. I mean, let's say that you focus on single family homes. How freaking amazing would it be to bring in your, your last client that you just sold a home for or, or help them buy a home and then have them share the journey? Like who else could you better relate to if you're a family that wants to buy a single home? Who else would you re resonate with other than somebody that just went through the same pain points that you did of doing the bidding and their realtor held their hand and now they got their dream home. I mean, that's going to close the deal, even if you've never even talked to that person before. So there's all sorts of different ways you can, or you can even share the journey, maybe bring, bring your, your client in, incentivize them to say, Hey, today's day one, this may take 30 days. This may take 60 days. The market's crazy right now. Let's, let's go through your journey. Let, let's showcase this. Maybe do a before and after podcast. There's like a million different ways that you can connect with people. And that's why you and I are on the podcast right now. We had a mutual friend that connected us and you and I connected ourselves and the friend that connected us, you connected with her and I connected with her through podcasts because we both resonated with her. That's and right. so here we are, we're in this whirlwind bromance. We're only like, <laughs> you know, less than a week into this. And like, you can do the same thing with whatever your market is. So you can do that with insurance, depending on your insurance. Like if, if you're selling, um, you know, homeowners insurance, do the same thing, walk through neighborhoods. If you're doing investment instruments, then do the same thing. Highlight all the things and the freedoms that the right investments can then afford your clients. If you're doing solar install, walk through and do your selfie videos of the house that you just installed it on and showcase the before and after and the savings and all the incentives and the things that people that buy the product want to know. But instead of just telling them, actually show them in a way that they can relate to. Yeah, no, I think that's brilliant. And the, the thing that you're using is, um, you know, when you look at like a big company, you go, oh my God, they got all these dollars. They got, you know, this gigantic presence, uh, domain authority and all that. But what they might not necessarily have is the unique personalized experience that you can deliver. Um, and that's where they're missing. And I like how you're mm -hmm. exploiting that basically as, as an individual. So you shouldn't focus on what you can't provide but focus on what you uniquely can provide, which is an extremely personalized 
experience with your your clients. And so that's um, that's brilliant. I like that approach. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, some of the thing I've seen with SEO as well, uh, or with with ad marketing, is when the 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 instead of focusing on the entire industry, they'll focus on a niche. Mm -hmm. I know there's some obviously rules on that with real estate and that sort of thing. Um, but an example is in insurance, um, rather than going after everyone in the industry, they'll go after traveling nurses or mm -hmm. gym owners specifically, right? And they're targeting that area specifically. Um, have you seen success with that? Uh, do you have any examples of where you've seen success with that? Or would you still recommend that they just kind of keep an open uh, blanket in their SEO and ad strategy? It's going to depend on the person. I mean, there's no there, there's no perfect answer that's applicable to everybody. Um, and, and there's advantages and disadvantages to, to both options. So if it better suits you, I mean, I have, I have the benefit of being more selective with the types of people that we work with. And so for me, I don't, I, I don't want the billion dollar companies anymore because with the bigger, the company, the bigger pain in the butt they are like the bigger political red tape you have to go through. So the reason why I tell you that is depending on the listeners, what do you like and don't like? What types of clients do you like and don't like working with? So if it benefits you and maximizes your opportunity while working with types of people that you enjoy, then yeah, pick a niche. Um, for me, I, it's evolved over the years. So in the beginning, I didn't quite know what my value propositions were other than I liked helping people and I was going to be honest. And so I couldn't really go be the honest insurance SEO guy or the honest dentist SEO guy. And so I was just honest to everybody. And that's what built. So we built a seven figure business without ever spending a dollar on ads. And it's because now I, in retrospect, I can tell the story of honesty being my value proposition. And then that builds integrity and trust with your clients. And then they introduce you to other people that can appreciate that. And so figure out, you know, the type of person you are or the type of people that you want to do business with. And I don't think there's, I don't think either one's a, a right or wrong answer. I think it's going to depend on you. Absolutely. No, that's great. Well, I think we've, uh, we've spent our time today and we've covered a lot of subjects and I appreciate that. Um, you are an incredibly valuable, knowledgeable uh, resource, um, especially in this day and age where the web is just becoming more and more important for any type of business. Um, if someone wanted to reach out to you, someone wanted to follow you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you got going on out there? Uh, yeah, um, I'm most active on LinkedIn. So I post there Monday through Friday. So you can just look me up there. If, if you want to learn more about SEO or even my journey into entrepreneur land, um, I got a book. I give it away for free. It's called Outrank. Um, you can get a, a free SEO book.com. There's no upsell. Thank you, Paige. Just invites you to our Facebook group. Um, so I'm like the anti-sales guy. And that's become my value proposition to sell really well. <laughs> that, that trust and honesty factor there too. People are like, how do I pay you? I want to pay you. Right? <laughs> it happens. It happens yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Damon. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate the chat. Bye.